Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Lungs by Florence and the Machine, released in 2009 under Island Records. And my guest is Erica. Welcome to the pod, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I am so stoked that you're here. Now, I'm just going to jump right into it. The reasons uh, you're here today is twofold. First of all, you have uh, an incredible podcast called The Eternal Optimist. Um, I do. And you are one of the co-founders of the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. And I would love <laughs> it if you could tell our listeners a little bit about two, these two amazing endeavors of yours. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, no problem. So um, let's see. The podcast is pretty new. So I'll start with the society, um, kind of backtrack a bit. Um, I've worked in the craft beer industry space for about 10 years now in Toronto. And uh when I was at my first brewery gig about, you know, eight, nine years ago, I was working at a brewery with all men and I was meeting some cool women here and there, uh, working at different breweries and at different beer festivals. And I really thought, you know, we should get together once a month and get drunk together and, fr- you know, share some fricking bottles and just like kind of be together as a kind of a secret society for women. And so I reached out to a couple girlfriends that I knew from different parts of the beer industry. And we agreed on this great, name the society of beer drinking ladies and uh, got a great logo that we still use today it's it's a solid uh logo and we have um now grown into north america's largest beer woman organization so congratulations um, that's huge thanks man yeah and i you know it was now we're obviously much more um, legit with everything and much more like structured and lots of planning. And we know what's going to happen in 2022 with our company. But at the very start, it was a bit of a accident, happy accident where we put tickets on sale to our first event and uh, they sold out in about 48 hours back in 2013, uh, early 2014. So we knew wow. that, you know, we were onto something and we've continued to grow events for women and beer. Um, we now have a beer constantly at the LCBO that changes styles every six months. Um, we are working on a cider for the LCBO for 2022. Um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. And we'll talk about the beer soon. Yes. Um, yeah. And then everything we do, we also donate a portion of profits to the Canadian women's foundation, which, um, is just excellent national Canadian charity that works with, um, programs all across the country for women and girls. So whether it's um, helping women gain meaningful employment or getting them out of abusive, dangerous situations um, or helping new Canadian women with language skills, just a whole host of things they fund. So um, we're happy to support them. Absolutely. Um, That's amazing. Honestly, congrats on all of that. That's so, that's so awesome. And when I first heard of the society of beer drinking ladies, I was like, this sounds amazing because like brewing is a very male dominated field. So to have you guys in this uh, arena is incredible. So yeah, just congratulations. I love what you do. That's so sweet, man. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a lot of work, you know, and now it's uh, myself and Jamie Dobbs, who is uh, my business partner. So she still works full time at a brewery in Ontario and I just am coming off mat leave. So I've decided to kind of really focus my energy on the society beer drinking ladies. We've always treated it as like a side hustle and it's time, you know, so I'm, I'm doing some gigs part-time here and there with uh, some breweries I love in Toronto, but really making this our permanent, uh, my permanent thing. So uh, it's going great. And then we launched to your point, we launched a podcast, yes. um, about, I guess, uh, four or five months ago. So I think it's, you've been doing this a lot longer than we have, but, uh, it's called, it's okay. Each- I am by no means an expert. I'm just going to put that on the table. <laughs> oh, <man>. still learning. <laughs> totally. It's like, but don't you love it? Like, I feel like love it. 
even if I have these long days, we record at eight o'clock at night and I get so excited every second Tuesday to record. I just really love podcasting. It's, it's really, really rewarding and fun. And we have guests on women in the industry and, uh, my, uh, Jamie, my, my business partner and I, we do it together. So it's just a really nice time for us to, to like take a step back and be dorks and be friends and remember that, you know, it's cause we're often just talking about business and talking yeah. about decisions and big picture things. And it's nice just to drink a beer together and bring on a colleague that we've known for 10 years, but we haven't seen cause of the pandemic and right. just like connect with women again. So um, yeah, eternal optimist uh, on Spotify and Apple podcasts and all those good things. So amazing. And if yeah. anyone wants to find out more information about society of beer drinking ladies, where can mm-hmm. they go to uh, hook up with you guys? Um, they can check us out at ladiesdrinkbeer.com. That's our website. We have a full swag shop as well. We sell lots mm-hmm. of merch and we can ship it internationally. Um, you can grab our beer at the LCBO in Ontario. Um, and we also just launched in Manitoba. Um, nice. yeah. So all the Winnipegger, Winnipegians, Winnipeggers, um, yeah, like, what do you call them? What do you call them? <laughs> yeah. Manitobians. All the folks in the lovely province of Manitoba can, um, grab our beer now too. Uh, we brewed at Torque Brewing out in Winnipeg. Um, and then we're at ladies drink beer on Instagram and the Facebooks. Um, and we have a newsletter you can sign up for called the society scoop through our website. So there you go. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And you know, it kind of ties in really well to the album and the artists that we're talking about today. We're talking about female empowerment and representation in an industry. And I mean, when you want to talk about female empowerment and representation in industry, Florence in the machine has carved out her stake. I feel like in the, in the music world and the alternative world. So I'm so happy to have you on for this episode and to hear your thoughts on the record. Um, before we get into some of the details, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this record. Now, you know, full disclosure, we have done an episode on Florence in the machine in the past, so I'm not going to go into too much detail on her backstory, her whole life story, uh, Florence Welch's that is, but uh, I'll give you a little bit of history on the album. How's that sound? Perfect. So we know that Florence and the Machine would not be possible without the relationship between Florence Welch, the lead singer, who I have determined is just a magical, ethereal angel person in in my mind, (laughs) um, and her best childhood friend, whose uh, name is Isabella Summers. And she was nicknamed the machine. So that's where Florence and the machine comes from, which I feel like not a lot of people know, but I love that. It's a fun factoid. Um, And it was when those two started collaborating that the band really took shape and they were signed to Island Records in 2008. So Lungs is their debut record, which was released in July, 2009. And it had six singles, really big songs. Kiss with a Fist, Dog Days Are Over, Rabbit Heart, Raise It Up, Drumming Song, You've Got the Love and Cosmic Love. And the album was super well received by its audiences. It debuted at number two on the UK albums chart, went six times platinum across the pond and globally sold 3 million albums. And critics praised the band's raw, soulful sound and signature crescendos, as well as the fearlessness and passion in Welch's vocals. And of course, Florence and the Machine is still alive and kicking it today. They went on to win many Brit Awards, get nominated for the Grammys and the Mercury Prize, and of course, headline Glastonbury in 2015. So lots of success from this band, from our front, like our lovely front woman, uh, Florence Welch. And uh, just interesting to go back and, you know, review where it all started and review Lungs. Amazing. Amazing. So Erica, you and the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies have provided us with uh, this amazing beer that we're drinking tonight, which is called a chocolate chip cookie dough porter. And I read on the can that it is best uh, served ice cold in a beer glass paired with cookies. So 
I'm like very curious about this. I have tried it. It's a dark beer. I was telling you before we started recording that I'm usually not a dark beer person, but I really enjoy it. There's got to be some sort of background to this. How did this (laughs) beer come to be? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for trying the Porter style. I feel like a lot of people that are new to beer or that have always stuck to the same, you know, lagers, pilsters, maybe a hoppy beer here and there, or like a fruit beer, you know, there's kind of this like fear about, ah, dark beers, they're big and heavy and, um, and kind of, um, just kind of weighty. And I think that, um, a lot of, and I don't want to just like stereotype men versus women, but a, a lot of women do wind up drinking porters and stouts and like lose their mind how excited it is because, you know, you love coffee, you love chocolate. And those are kind of a lot of the flavors that you get in these darker roastier beers. So, um, yeah. So the, the inspiration behind this is, you know, we do two beers a year. Um, so we do a spring summer release and a fall winter. So this is the fall winter. We thought about seasonality. So it's getting colder. People do like darker beers in the winter times. Typically, um, we didn't want something too boozy. I don't love drinking beers over six, 7% personally. Um, Mm -hmm. I they're cool. They have a lot of big flavors, but I love beer that I could have two or three or four of. Um, and so this is a 4.5%, uh, Porter and not only did we make a Porter, but then we like went a little wild and we added vanilla extract, graham cracker extract. We added oats to make it a little creamier and a little thicker, um, cacao nibs to give it just a real nice, rich, dark chocolate character. Um, but then it is ultimately a beer. So beer is four ingredients, uh, water, hops, yeast, and malt. Um, the malt we use is obviously we add some darker malts, some barley, to give it that darker color um and it just leads to this like literally cookie dough liquid cookie dough like in your mouth Seriously, I'm like so just like blown away and impressed by again the like the richness of the flavor is incredible and again like I think I hear dark beer or porter and my mind goes to Guinness and I'm like I don't want that I don't want to drink Guinness so I was a little nervous when this came in my uh I went and picked it up from downstairs I was like oh I don't know if I'm gonna like it but I really do like I all the flavors that you mentioned I'm like I can actually taste it it's not one of those things where they're like taste the subtle notes of this and I'm like where like girl where is it no it is here it is alive and well and I think to the real like so I we're not a, we don't have a brewery. I don't honestly have a desire to own a brewery. So we contract brew, we, we rent space from different breweries. And so our partnership is with Henderson Brewery, which is quite close to where you live yes. um, in West Toronto. And uh, it's actually where I worked for the last three years and um, they make great beer. And, and, you know, so we sit with the brew team, we sit with the brewmaster and we pilot batch, which means like we do a lot of small batch t- t- uh, kind of sample test batches and we figure out, you know, too little chocolate, too much chocolate, little more sweetness, little too much sweetness. And, you know, I think the goal with these beers is exactly to your point. When I see cookie dough chocolate chip porter on the shelf, I want to taste that taste, but I also don't want it to be like insanely cloying and like really wacky. Like it's got to have that balance component too. And I think this tackles both of those things. So um, I could not agree more. This is like yeah. going to be my go-to like dessert beer. You know? like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah, enjoying yeah. it. That's and thank so you great. so much for providing it for our podcast today. I really appreciate it. So cheers oh, to you yeah. and welcome to the cheers. podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks for having me again. It's great. No problem. Okay. So now we have a lot to talk about with this record, uh, mm-hmm. but first I want to hear a little bit about your history with Florence and the Machine. So how did you first yeah. start listening to them and why choose this album for today? Why did you want to talk about Lungs? You know, 
Um, I think that we're in a moment with, um, well, when you asked, when you invited me on and you asked me to pick an album, you know, I think we list, at least me personally, I'm listening to Spotify day in and day out. And I typically gravitate towards playlists or Spotify making up a playlist for me or things like that. Or, um, you know, I have XM serious radio on my car, in my car, and I listen to anything and everything on XM. And I, when you said that, I was like, you know, I do really miss the power of an album. Mm-hmm. And I saw even this week that Adele um, at, has basically influenced Spotify, Spotify to stop hitting the shuffle button, which is yeah. so cool. Like respect the album and the choices I made for where, where things are, the where things are on my album, you know, yeah, like there's a reason they're in that order. Yeah. It's so neat. And so anyway, it got me thinking about albums. I was a huge CD person. Obviously I'm sure you were too. Like I had hundreds and I scoured the notes and I wrote in the notes and I just loved the books and I've gotten rid of all my CDs, which like still makes me sad. Um, it's like weird. Yeah. I don't know why I parted with them, but, um, one of them was lungs. And I remember just feeling this feeling when I listened to the album, it was just so different and so special and, so like ephemeral, you know, and, um, and I've seen her now twice in concert in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. and I just find her fascinating. I really do. I, a hundred, I could not agree more, honestly, like you're, I feel like you're reading my mind tonight. I, um, <laughs> I myself, so I didn't, I did not own this record. I will admit that, but it was one that I remember hearing probably once or twice all the way through. I, uh, really love their album high as hope, which is like a a more recent record. Mm -hmm, And I feel mm -hmm. like I almost skipped over the earlier era of Florence and the machine and really got into her later stuff. But then that's why I'm so glad that, you know, you suggested this because it gave me an opportunity to go back. And I totally remember listening to like kiss with a fist for the first time and being Mm -hmm. like, I don't really understand what's happening here, but Mm -hmm. I know I like it and I don't know Mm -hmm. why. And it was like almost like scary. Good. Like she's just, she's so passionate and she literally like, you know, talk about like leaving your heart on the stage. Like she doesn't just like cut out her heart and leave it on stage. Like she's got like a dull butter knife, like 127 hours style. And she's just like (laughs) letting it sit and simmer for a couple Mm -hmm. hours. Like she is probably one of the most, um, thoughtful performers. I feel like out there, I have also seen her twice in Toronto and just funny. So funny. Right. And just, we've probably been to the same shows. Budweiser stage. Yeah, I was at that one. First time I was ever on the lawn and I like loved my experience on the lawn. It was so So like fun, right? And magic. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. I mean, she's very like, she she is, she's very like ethereal and just, she's like a magical person. I swear to God, she's like a witch, but a good one, you know, (laughs) like not a scary one. She's like a good one. She's doing some sort of voodoo. I don't know what it is, but she's an incredible performer, an incredible songwriter. And, um, it just makes me like listening to this album makes me want to like dye my hair red and just start wearing flowy dresses and dance in fields, you know, like it it really has that power over you. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a exciting album and major credit, not only to her vocals on this record, but also to the band, you know, like Florence and the machine wouldn't be what it was without (laughs) like the way that this band like mush melts together with like crazy bass and guitar and harp and all these like wind instruments. Like it's just the perfect amalgamation of like everything. Yeah. And, and to that point, like, I'm just a big drum geek, drummer geek. And I feel like I grew up tap dancing and then I had this stint in my twenties. What did you tap dance? I tap danced. Oh yeah. (laughs) Did we just become best friends? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. No, I love, I love tapping. It's definitely something in my, like that I regret on the daily that I'm not taking classes in Toronto, but one day I will take it again. But, um, 
so I feel like I just love rhythm and I love, and then in my twenties, um, my part, my boyfriend at the time, we kind of create a little band and we would like jam at the jam factory in Toronto every Tuesday. And we'd like perform in little, I don't know, Monday nights at little places with our friends. And we had a little vibe and it was so cute. And I, and I loved, and I was the drummer and, um, amazing. It was just like a silly thing. It was like over 10 years ago. Well, maybe eight to 10 years ago now. Anyway, and Dog Days Are Over were one of the songs we did and um, and stuff like that. So I just really love the drums in this in this album. I think they're really like um, just loud and like haunting. Yes, totally yeah. agree. Very powerful. And, you know, drumming, yeah. like that's the that's the heartbeat of the music. That's with, Without that, you really don't have a song. So yeah. that's an important role you had as a drummer. So kudos <laughs> to you to, to owning that part of the band. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Do you have a, what's the first song you want to talk about today? Do you have a favorite on the album? Mm, um, I feel like I don't have like one favorite, but I feel like, I feel like it's like top five. You know, Dog Days Are Over is obviously such an important album uh, important single on this and it was like For her sure. big single but I really like the next one um Ooh, the way it just builds raise it up raise it up yeah like I just love rabbit heart and then howl to me number four is just okay yeah I lied howl's my favorite song I think okay. howl is just powerful and um exceptionally haunting um yes but also loud and you could dance to it and, and flow, you know, sh- wave your hair around and wear your flowy dress and all that stuff. So, um, but then, you know, I will say number 13, you've got the love. So I, I don't know if you li- watched sex in the city growing up. I did not. I did. Not. Okay. So sex in the city was like a huge part of my life. I was like obsessed. I had, I still have all the DVD box sets and I'm sure for anybody listening, you know, this song is connected to sex in the city. This is a cover that Florence yes. did. And so it looks like I'm just on the, actually the wiki page now, John <laughs> Bellamy. And I'm not sure that, but it's not her song. She covered it. And this is the song of the last scene of the last episode oh. where you finally know Mr. Big, like Carrie's love interest, um, his first name, because she has at the time a fucking flip phone and she, <gasps> of course, it, yeah, it like zooms onto the flip phone. It says John. And you learn that Mr. Big is John and he, she's back in love and back together with John, Mr. Big. And then she's super happy. And then the fucking whole show ends. And <gasps> so you got the love is playing. And so, you know, I'm bawling at this. Um, <laughs> that is a 23 year old girl, you know, just like, ah, oh. like, she so- has what I have. Yeah, I just love it. It (laughs) Carrie Bradshaw. So, you know, then when I heard Florence, I felt just so much more connected to Florence. Like, that's so fucking cool that she obviously loves Sex and the City, I'm assuming, or just loves the song and that she chose to end the album with it, you know? Yeah, I feel like that song, and that song is so interesting to me because I agree with you. I So I didn't even know it was a cover and I've like heard the version by the, it's like by the source. It's like an electronic song or Hmm. whatever it is. And I just, I was like blown away because I always, always thought this was a Florence and the Machine song because people have also done like subsequent covers since 2009 when this came out. So, you know, a band like the XX has covered this and I'm like, oh yeah, they're covering Florence, but it's just amazing how far back you can go in music and you still don't know everything there is to know about a song. And you're right. It's like, it's so majestic and it builds up so well and it gets like harder and more intense. Like the more that you listen to it and the harp, like crazy harp action is just like going wild. It's just, especially for an album that kind of has a lot of, you know, peaks and valleys, a lot of dark moments in it, a lot of spooky moments. I thought this Mm -hmm. was such a great way to 
end the record too. Like such a powerful note to just be like, you've got the love I need to see me through all this shit that happened, like all this dark stuff, like at the end of the day, like I'm going to be okay because mm-hmm. I've got you. And I'm just like, that's such a wonderful note, you know, like <laughs> Bravo, like after 13, like crazy intense songs, it was nice to yeah. be able to leave it on a positive. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like a little yeah. bit of hope, like almost yes. like teehee. I was just acting like yeah, my exactly. Florence personality. I'm actually a chill, positive person, you know, because yes. it does feel like she kind of has a persona and in the concert, you know, one of the things that I was most blown away of by was, um, you know, she'll just belt out these notes and, and, you know, hop around the stage barefoot, which I found so great. And then she'll, and then you'll clap and scream and like, lose your mind with excitement. And she'll go, thank you. And she's she's so like timid. Yeah. Yeah. Which made me kind of understand her as like, she's playing a role as like this big friendly witch ghost character. And then, um, you know, kind of like from another world, but then she really is just this like adorable British girl that like is really shy and awkward. Yeah. percent a hundred I totally yeah. agree with you I I feel like the first time I saw her was at Scotiabank Arena and I was way mm-hmm. up in the nosebleeds mm-hmm. and I remember I had like I had watched her in interviews so I knew she had this like very demure kind of um uh what's the word I'm looking for attitude mood like she was you know she's like you said she's kind of like this shy this shy woman yeah. um demeanor demeanor is the is demeanor. the word I'm looking for yeah demeanor um but then hearing her talk in concert yeah she was just like oh you know she's like the last time I was in Toronto um I was a lot screamier I was a lot noisier and she's like I've since you know gone so become sober and calmed down mm-hmm. a little bit and that I think mm-hmm. was a huge part of you know her arc her journey as a as an artist and also just as a person yeah. um but I but I was like how how does this woman literally scream these lyrics out yeah and then she's just yeah and then she just kind of recoils into this just like fairy person at the end of the song and it's just the (sighs) coolest thing it's truly like over someone overcome with their art overcome with their music that they have no choice Mm. but to be this whole new person you know it's it's pretty Mm. incredible I do want to go back to uh one of the other songs you mentioned which is dog days are over because you you said it it was her probably biggest song that she's ever had, like completely made her in our, in our episode, we talked about Florence, um, before, uh, we talked about Eat, Pray, Love and how I feel like everyone was listening to this after the trailer for Eat, Pray, Love came out. And that was Mm. when I first heard it. Um, and listening to the song and and doing a little bit of research on it. I love the messaging behind this song too, because it's a lot about finding happiness, but but not quite like being able to believe in it yet. So when she's mm-hmm. saying like, run fast for your mother, run fast for your father, like the hor- the horses are coming. It's like four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's almost like I found this good thing. I found this happiness, but I have to, I have to run. I have to boot it because like, mm-hmm. God knows it's not real and kind of like not trusting. So similarly to her having this uh, persona that she embodies, I feel like sometimes people hear her music like dog days are over and they think this is happy. Like dog days are over. It's all good, but it's also just kind of this, this mind fuck almost where somebody who has maybe intense anxiety or somebody who has trouble trusting people could also mm-hmm. listen to the lyrics and be like, mm, I get it. It's got a darker, darker side to it, you know? And I've always mm-hmm. appreciated that in her songwriting. That's totally true. And I think this is also all, I could be wrong, but I I have a, I remember she was on the cover of Rolling Stone about like, I'd say nine months ago. And she really talked about her um, journey to sobriety. And so I think like, you know, and you said she might've been wasted at um, one of the concerts we saw, I don't know, but you know, I think she was like a functional alcoholic. And so all these songs are kind of clouded over by this like dark kind of sadness. And I think she drank 
uh, which a lot of people do like no judgment, but like she drank to kind of mask some of that sadness and maybe to your point, like some of the trust that she doesn't, that she's struggling with, or she's got it really good, but she just doesn't, she doesn't think she deserves it or things like that. So yeah, yeah, it's really, really interesting. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to also mention one of one of the songs that I definitely wanted to make sure we talked about, which I'm curious to uh, hear if it you, if it's a song you like as well. Yeah. Um, Girl with one eye. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One of my like, I'm so again, I'm so glad we went back and chose this album because I don't remember the last time I listened to Girl with One Eye, and then as soon as I was going through the track list and it came on, I was like, holy shit, this song is so good. Like kind of got this like saloony, spooky, gothic vibe. Also kind of like Amy Winehouse-y, like kind of like, but just to me, it's a cautionary tale because she's saying like, um, you know, she talks about cut, literally like cutting out a person's eye. Like she's like, I brought it home and I watched it wither and die and better sleep with one eye open. Like it's very much yeah. like, don't like, I can't trust you. Like I will cut you like literally and figuratively, <laughs> um, but the composition of it, the composition of the song, the way it plays, it kind of like clunks along like an injured animal or something. Like it's just so well done. And I yeah. like, just want to, I just want to belt it every single time, you know, it's got great drums in this song too. It's got a great story. Like it's, it's such a, they're both such, I would say kiss with a fist and girl with one eye for some reason in my brain, I lump them together. Like they're obviously lumped together track five and six, Mm -hmm. but like, I really do lump them together as like this funny little interlude in the middle of the album. And it's yeah, they're, they're short songs for the most part, especially kiss with a fist. And I get a lot of Jack white. I get a lot of like, just like weird Jack white shit. That's like old timey and like really quirky and silly. Um, but also has like a really dark fucked up message, you know? And yeah, I find them really interesting songs. Yeah, I, I agree. It's but once you can also like stomp your feet to and dance to at the same time, like it's 100%. like saying, you know, it's almost like they were written wrong. Like they were <laughs> intentionally written like this, this beat is wrong. This rhythm is kind of off. Like it, you know, like it's not like kind of like a one, two, three, like it's kind of just different every single time she sings it. Like her riffs are different. The, there's not a lot of consistency in the way that she does it, but my God, can that yeah. woman sing? And can she yeah. sing her friggin' ass off? Totally. So I, when she gets to the bridge of girl with one eye and she does that, like, you know, it kind of goes silent and she goes, cause you made me cry. And it just explodes. The whole song just explodes. And I just, I just sit there like, like in my headphones or like hearing it through my Bluetooth. And I'm just like, how, how is your voice this good? You know, totally. Just and it, you now. know, and to the, to that point of those two quirky songs, the other one that comes to mind connected is my boy builds coffins Love track 10. One. It's such a weird little song too. And, and I always get, it is such a story and it is such a, again, Jack white kind of inspiration. And yeah. anyway, yeah, she clearly has like this, this theme of jealousy and kind of revenge and, um, and things like that. So, and I, and I feel like, I don't know if you've heard the like deluxe edition, but there's like all these B sides, yeah, um, like, like bonus. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them, she just put like real rough, um, kind of demos. Um, and I don't love all of them, but I think that like, it's cool that she just like shows that she's not perfect and shows that like, let's just kind of throw them out there and see what happens, you know? And I love when people are like vulnerable like that. They don't just need to put out like a perfectly polished song. They're just like, yeah, this one was like 80% that we gave up on it because it kind of sucked, but it's still kind of cute and has merit. So let's just throw it at the bottom. I don't know. I like that. It shows they're human and can like 
they're artists and not everything's perfect and that's okay. You know, I totally agree. Well, and it's like, you mm-hmm. almost don't want, I know for me, like, that's why I love going to see musicians live because you do see them mess up. They might forget a lyric. They might say the wrong yeah. lyric. Their voice might crack in the middle of it, but it's like, at least you know that they're there and they're giving it 110%. They're literally up there doing the best they can for thousands of people. So I agree with you. It totally humanizes them because we tend to treat celebrities. Like, let's face it. We put all the celebrities up on a pedestal and we're like, they can't, they're untouchable. They, nothing can ever happen to them, but they are just people. They're just people trying to get through the day just like we are, right? So um, My Boy Builds Coffins is an interesting one. Like I would really encourage any of the listeners to to do a little bit of research on this record because I spent a lot of time just on Genius trying to figure out what this song was about. And I learned that the main theme is a discussion on unavoidable death. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. We all find ourselves facing death eventually and many are buried in a coffin. The boy in the song understands this and does what he can to help others complete the circle of life. And I was like, I never would have got like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that deep. I'm not like, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to just pluck that out of this song. But the more I think about it, where she's like, my boy builds coffins with hammers and nails. It's just kind of like helping people through literally their journey of life. And even huh. at the, the shitty parts at the ending parts. And yeah. I know the, the, her boyfriend at the time, he was um, in this band called the Ludes, which she spent a lot of time collaborating with them on the record and kiss with his fist, um, especially I think hmm. was written maybe even by the band and she decided to cover it. And that's why it's got that like punky kind of grungy Hmm. feel Mm -hmm. and it's also representative of you know maybe your idea of this person you're with at the time obviously she's no longer with this boyfriend of hers but at the time this was the view of him that she had and so it's cool Mm. to have that like mental picture at the end of the day of who this person was yeah 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 that's so cool and maybe she was struggling maybe somebody close to her died or maybe she was struggling with the concept of death or you know it was really present in her life and instead of just writing a really direct song about death she like used her like whimsical brain and and thought up this like scenario about a boy building coffins Yeah. yeah it's it's really quite it's really quite like literary and and deep you know and and that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't know that was the theme of the song or the the message behind the song. The more, you know, we come to the podcast, to learn, <laughs> we come to the podcast to educate. This is what we do. Yeah. Um, I do have to say as well, I really love cosmic love and it was mm-hmm. also kind of one that I forgot about. I didn't realize it was actually a single. I can't even remember why I heard it or when, but when it came on, I just like, it was one of those moments where you haven't heard a song in a while. And I instantaneously like remembered all the words yeah, like in just hearing like yeah. no dawn, no day, day. I'm always in yeah. It. yeah, like it's just I don't even know. Like I couldn't tell you the first thing about what this song is about, but I will tell you that I will like scream it in my kitchen when I'm totally. making pasta for sure. <laughs> because they just it's like continuously building up and then kind of like pushing back and then building it up again and kind of taking it away. And so they're like yeah. teasing you with this again, this amazing crescendo, this built this this explosions that they've they're so good at perfecting right now. And I just, oh, I just, I love this song so much. It is a great song. It is a great song. You're right. I think that would be in my top five. So it'd be like, I would say, um, Rabbit Heart, Raise It Up, Howl, Mm -hmm. um, Cosmic Love, that's three. Um, You got the the love shirt just for the nostalgia. And then number five, uh, I would say like, between two lungs, it was Aww. released. I don't know. I just think that's really pretty. And um, I love her lung. I, I think like, you know, 
organs are so fast. This is kind of ridiculous what I'm about to say, but organs I think are just so cool because we have like <laughs> so many of them in our body. And we generally know from like public school and high school, like what they do, but they are just yeah. so fascinating. And um, just to get personal for a sec, my brother uh, passed away about eight years ago from a heart condition. And so I've just been really fascinated with hearts. And I always was in high school. I remember us dissecting frog hearts and right. just thinking it was so interesting, all the valves and vessels and how literally the this one thing pumps blood to your whole body and keeps you, keeps alive, you alive or doesn't, you know, and, and, and how fascinating lungs are. Like if you don't have working lungs and how central they are to your breath, every breath you take for 90 years of your life, you know? And I think, um, so anyway, I think her fascination with, with lungs in this album and, yeah. and just generally her like inner self, um, is, is really cool. I agree. Well, and it's evident on the cover of the album, right? That beautiful image of her with the lungs on the outside of her body as well. is just so like, again, it's like hauntingly beautiful, almost to the point where you have to do like a double take. You're like, wait, are those lungs on the outside of her butt? What am I looking at here? But Mm -hmm. it's just, it's done in such this, in such an artful, sophisticated way. That's just literally she is, she's making art with her body. She's making art with her voice, with, with her songwriting, absolutely everything. And this song is beautiful. Um, I actually learned that it was based on like between two lungs was kind of like the air that you might share with a person if you're kissing them, Hmm. how it kind of like travels between the two people. And apparently she was like, she said it came from an eighties pulp book. The title of the song, sorry, came from an eighties book that she found in a secondhand shop. And Hmm. it, that's how she kind of like came up with the title was this idea of this kiss, like traveling between two people in the air that they're sharing in that moment. I was just like, Jesus, like, where does this, how does your mind think like this? Mm. It just amazes me. I think, I think it's like when she's an example of somebody, um, that is a true pure artist and like mm-hmm. nothing else she would want to do. And there's nothing else she could literally do. Like she is on this earth to be an artist. And, um, I listened to another podcast called soft revolution where, um, Torkel Campbell, he's the main singer of stars, a great Canadian oh, indie stars. band. Yeah, He's just so funny and smart and passionate. And they talk about all sorts of current events like COVID things and politics and some great, great issues. And, um, and he talks about how like he literally can't do anything but be an artist, like, you know, and, and that's just a really cool concept. Like if I don't want to be in the beer industry anymore, I could go on, I don't know, LinkedIn and find a job. Or like, I know that I could just like figure out how to start another company. Like, I know that I could like shift and move and do different things, but like, I love that idea that like Florence Welsh is a artist and that's the only thing she can fathom herself doing. And that's why like everything she does has a lens of art. So like, she'll go to like a, probably like a Walmart and be like, Oh, that's like such an interesting, um, I don't know, light fixture. Um, maybe I can make a song. Yeah. You know, and, and most people don't think like that. So yeah. I think those people are really special and that's why she's successful. One of many reasons why she's successful. She breathes it. Lungs. Lungs. All connects. (laughs) We've come full circle. Full circle. Love it. (laughs) We have come to the critical part of the podcast, as I like to call it, Erica, which is where we rate the album and we rate it out of the drink that we're drinking tonight. So at this point, what I would love you to do is to uh, offer our listeners your final closing thoughts on the record, anything else that you want to leave us with. Um, And then you're going to rate the album out of five chocolate chip cookie dough porters. (laughs) 
And just for some insight on our, our rating system here, if you give it, you know, half a chocolate chip cookie dough porter or one, it means you don't really love the record. You're not really going to listen to it again. It was kind of underwhelming, but if you give it, you know, four and a half, five, or sometimes people go beyond the rating if they do so desire, but that's totally your call. That means you love this record. It's one of your favorites. You're going to listen to it for the foreseeable future. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So can you, can you do that for us? What, what do you want to leave the listeners with on lungs? And then how would you rate it? Sure. I think, uh, going back and giving it many full listens to get ready for this podcast and just reacquaint myself. It was so easy to do that. And this album is over 10 years old. It's, it's got this real timeless character to it. It doesn't feel dated. You know, totally. to me, that's kind of like miseducation, Lauren Hill. It's like Graceland. It's like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I could go on and on, but you know um, to me, this will go down in time as a really timeless piece of art. And I think that it's full of whimsical, uh, special songs from a woman who's like growing up and figuring out who she is and what love is and what the world's all about. And I think, um, I think her and I are pretty similar in age and, and I really have always connected with this album and 11 years, 12 years later, listening to it again, nothing changed. I still love and respect the tracks and her choice of track order and um the musical arrangements that were those decisions that were made and and it's just a solid well-rounded album so what are you giving it out of five chocolate chip cookie dough porters (laughs) well clearly i like it so um, (laughs) i'm gonna give it a five i'm gonna give it a five i like i will always play at least singles but always i will always have this album as like an album that's like if I'm sad, if I'm down, if I just want an album that I just like know off the top of my head, I just, yeah. it's a great, it's a great album for my brain. So yeah. Five. It's a great, great album. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the connection, the personal connection that you have to this record. For me, I have really loved seeing the evolution of Florence and the Machine, particularly, you know, the evolution of Florence Welch, but you know, they kind of come together as a unit with the band as well, but seeing her grow and change over the last, you know, 12 years or whatever, since they've kind of been in the works. um, I will say high as hope as a record was probably like one of my favorites of, of all time. So it's hard for me to pair up or um, pin this record, sorry, against that record. I will say, I'm going to give this one probably like a four, a four chocolate chip cookie dough porters out of five, which is still a great rating. Very happy with it. Um, but again, I feel like what I've loved is seeing, I've loved seeing this dark side in this record, the things that she was struggling with, the things she was going through. And even more than that, I've loved her embracing that darkness and turning it into art later on in her life when she did get sober, when she was going through these life-changing things and helping out others and influencing others with similar afflictions. Um, and Lungs, you know, Lungs introduced us to Florence. They told us who the band was and who they were going to be. And now I think they've also reached that like fuck it point in their career where they just let things loose and they're just going to do whatever they want to do. And um, I respect them for that. I think they're amazing as a band. So between the two of us, that's a four and a half out of five chocolate chip cookie dough porters. Amazing. So amazing album from Florence and the Machine. Now, Erica, I have to thank you so much for carving out time in your day to coming onto the podcast today and joining us via Zoom. Um, And thank you so much for supplying the delicious chocolate chip cookie dough porter for us to drink tonight. Um, It has been so great learning about you and the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. And I would love to have you back on the podcast again sometime soon, hopefully in the near future. I would love that. I'm already thinking of my next album. (laughs) Yes, I love it. I love being prepared. Yeah. 